Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey, welcome to week two of Steady and Established. I, I forgot to mention last week the reason we are shooting here in our youth area and not my house. We considered um, doing some sort of setup in my house and Nicole putting something behind me, but I don't think that our dogs would be able to go 30 minutes without barking. And I thought that would have been a little bit of a distraction. So we decided to come and shoot here in our youth area. But Nicole did all of these decorations behind me. So I just wanted to thank my wife. For making me look good again. Let's just pray before we get started today. Father God, we just love you today, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your word today, that we want to grow in you more today. We just thank you for your help that we can be steady and established in you in this uncertain time. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we said last week, and it's not unique to us, um, as we've been hearing on the news and every news report, we are living in unprecedented times and all of our habits and our way of living has been changed and disrupted and we have uncertainty in the future and all of these things may be changed forever. I know after 9-11 all of our travel habits have changed because of certain events in the world. And if you know anything about world history, if you've ever, I recommend sometime to go to YouTube and, and see how um, kingdoms and wars fought and how uh, borders changed throughout world history. And so we, we live in a time where maybe our borders of our nation haven't changed or our way of life hasn't changed very much for a while. But if you look through history, the world does change and things don't always stay the same. And we're just living in that time where there is just some changes happening in the world. And all of these changes that are happening to us could cause us to get unsettled. All of the habits that we're used to, all of the things that we're used to doing, all of the places that we're used to going have all been taken away from us for this period of time. And it should cause us to reflect a little bit. And it has, uh, for me, you know, all of the things that we're, we're used to doing you know, all of the, the habits that we had, you know, like I said, is for me to feel more like myself, do I just need to shop more? Do I need to be able to go to the mall? The fact that I haven't been able to go to the mall or taken my daughter shopping, that's probably more apt than me just going to the mall. I don't generally go to the mall uh, by myself. For me to take my daughter to the mall, is this a normal thing? Or if, what about 150 years ago where there were no malls? Were people able to exist? Um, uh, we, our travel habits, if we have travel habits, have been changed, and they're going to be changed. They're going to be different for the foreseeable future. And what does that say for me? Is, is my life just dependent on that, for me able to have unencumbered travel? Is, is that the best version of myself, how I'm working in my job right now, how we're functioning in meetings, and how that's different than maybe about six weeks ago? Is that actually who I am? Do I have to have that steady and in place? Is that the complete substance of my life? And then sadly, lastly, one of the things that I've been missing a lot is sports. The fact that there are no live sports happening right now, the best reality TV ever. Um, it's really unsettled my TV watching habits. The, you know, I, I, I had consistent sports watching and schedule on the the start of the Blue Jays season was, you know, Major League Baseball, and we should be in hockey playoffs and basketball playoffs and all of these things that had been 
that I could set the calendar of my life to these things, they've all been disrupted. But is all of those things, is that all who I am? And is that at the foundation of my life and my existence? Or there, is there something more? And is there something more for us to steady ourselves around than just the habits and the things that we have done? Now, as we um, talk about a lot here at the church, that Jesus as, is at the center of our faith. But what ground does that faith in Jesus provide for us? What steadiness does that provide for us? Because I think that's something that we need to refocus on right now uh, in this time. And as we've been saying, and we a phrase that, like I said at the beginning, unprecedented times, but there is actually a precedent for all of the world changing forever. And we see it actually constantly in the scripture. We see um, people having to live in exile. They lived in their hometown and places they were born, and then they would go and they would get taken away in bondage, and they would have to live in other countries. We see that in the book of Daniel and all through the, the major prophets in the Old Testament. We see imprisonments. We see plagues. We see droughts. We see Jesus lived in Roman-occupied territory his whole life that there was military from another country living where he was, and so all of their lives had changed, natural disasters, all of these things that we see throughout the Scripture, that life was lived a certain way, and then an event happened, and then a whole new way of life has to be discovered. But in this transition, we can actually be steady in our faith in God. And so that's what we are asking ourselves, or I feel like I'm asking myself, am I actually living from this worldview of I actually have faith in God? I've got my trust in God to take me through this season and whatever the next season in life would look like. Am I grounded in that? Or do I need all of these other things? Do I just need sports to get by? Or do I just need to take my daughters to the mall? Um, and is that at the basis of my life, or is it something deeper, something stronger? And I, I would say that our faith in God is actually more profound, and it is stronger than all of those things. So we want to be steady and established in our lives. And that's what Jesus came, not just to offer us religion, that he offered us how to live life. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So what we see is temporary. How we have lived to this moment, it's all been changed. That was temporary, and there is going to be a normal or a new normal, or however you want to phrase those things, that these things, these physical things, that these are all temporary things. Like I said, you can look back at, at world history and see kingdoms, countries have all changed. All of these things, these external things are all temporary, but then it says what is unseen is eternal. And this is what we want to grab hold to, onto in this series, is what are these unseen things, these eternal things, these things that actually come from God? And we can ground our lives on those things. And last week, we, we focused on the idea of the love of God, that David went through some very difficult circumstances, and his life was changed forever. But what he grounded his life in eventually 
as we read through the book of Psalms there, is that he grounded his life in the love of God. And that is steady ground for us in this season. This next season that we go into, man, we can always depend on the love of God. The love of God is constant, never changes. Uh, There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less or to make God love you more. He loves you. It is actually who he is. The scripture says that God is love. So our life can be grounded and established in the love of God. And so what I want to talk about today is another foundation for us is the foundation of godly actions based on the teachings of Jesus or the word of God. Uh, Psalm 119 Verse 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And so this is what we can be steadied on, and this is what we can establish our lives on, is the word of God. It's firmly fixed. It's forever. Uh, It's not going to change. And this is one of these eternal things. It's not something that we can see. It's not these temporary things that we can see around us. Because all of those things are going to change, but there is an eternal thing. There is an unseen thing. It is the Word of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God. That's how we would think about the Scripture. And so we want to do the words of Jesus, and this is what Jesus told us that He actually wants us to do in the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is sort of the differentiating point between maybe a convert or someone who's just saying yes to Jesus for the salvation piece and then to becoming a disciple of Christ. And what does that mean? Uh, Jesus said here, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, that Jesus actually has called us to be his disciples, to be a learner. Something that he commanded us, the word of God came out in the teachings of Jesus, and he wants us to observe those things. He wants us to see what those eternal things are, and then he wants us to act on those things. And in that, we can be steady and established in the Word of God. Because why? It doesn't change. It's forever settled in the heavens. Now, when we think about doing the words of, uh, of someone else in a relationship that we're in, you know, we're in a relationship with somebody, and the integrity of that relationship is doing the words of that person. You know, my wife and I have been married for 25 years, and, you know, right now we are obviously in quarantine and we're in isolation. And like I said, I'm missing sports. And so sometimes there's some good sports replay or there's a guy movie on. And so we have a second television um, in the basement. So I'm down there in the man cave. And in the middle of the movie that I'm watching, the guy movie, there's probably some sort of shooting going on or fight, some sort of activity like that. I'm going to get a text from my wife. And in the text, there is two emojis. There is a dog emoji and then the poo emoji, which basically is telling me that the dogs need to go for a walk, they need to go to the bathroom. So it's not necessarily a lot of words, there's a lot of implied words in this text. Now, because I'm in a relationship with my life, my wife, a loving relationship, I am actually going to act upon the words that she's saying to me. This is where the integrity, this is where the joy is, this is where the flourishing is in relationship when we do what each other are asking us. But if what I just ignored 
what she said, and she asked me to do something else, and I ignore that. And she asked me to do something else, and I ignored that. We would actually say that I'm not actually in a relationship, not in a loving relationship with her if I just ignored what she said. And this is what we are in. We are in a love relationship with God, that he's asking us to do certain things. And once again, his commands are not heavy. They're not difficult. They actually are the way to life. They are the ground for us to live a successful life in God. And so acting on the words uh, that, that somebody would, would, would say to us, this is where the steadiness, this is where the beauty is in the relationship. And so we see from Jesus, we have a very famous sermon that Jesus spoke. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus would travel around, and he would preach a lot of times the same sermon in different places. And then we have record sometimes of some of the things that he would say uh, in one place, and then he would say it in another. And then we have record of somebody else remembering some part of the message, and then in the other gospel, some other parts or something would be remembered, remembered a different way. Um, and when Jesus spoke, he actually spoke uh, to do different crowds of people. He would speak to his disciples, his followers, and then there would be a a crowd, or he would speak to the committed, and then there would be a crowd who would kind of be thinking, you know, I, we've heard about Jesus, he's doing some miracles, but I want to hear what he has to say. But those were, there was already people who were committed to being his disciples, being a learner of Jesus, following after his words, and doing those things. And he actually spoke differently than the other rabbis of the time. We see this here in Matthew chapter 7, which is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and it says this, Verse 28, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished, astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not the scribes. So Jesus' teaching style was completely different. He was speaking or preaching authoritatively. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean he was loud. Um, all of us that are teaching based on knowledge from somebody else, and that would be me included, the authority that we have is actually borrowed. But Jesus was spoke, speaking or preaching or teaching with a very different type of authority. He would be commenting on the Word of God. He would be commenting on phrases from the Old Testament. And then he would say, but I say to you. He would add and then sometimes change or help them to understand what the Scriptures were from the Old Testament. He would speak with authority. And then he would give all of these teachings um, and then he would want his followers, even though there was a crowd there as well, the ones that weren't quite as committed, that he was wanting his disciples, which would be uh, us, to follow his teaching. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus commenting on his words says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against it and the house and the house uh, that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears the word and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So here, Jesus is telling us that a foundational, foundational element of our lives and of following Jesus is doing his teachings. 
not just hearing it, but putting into practice what he's saying. And then what is he saying? That's going to be, we're going to dig deep and we're going to lay a foundation on the rock. We're going to be steady and establish if we lay our lives on the foundation of doing the word of God, not just hearing it, not just being a part of the crowd, but being part of the committed who are wanting to know what Jesus is saying. Jesus, how do you want us to live our lives? You're preaching authoritatively. You're saying the things that we need to know, that your word is forever settled in heaven. And you want us to live the abundant life that you came for us to live. And so what do we want to do? We want to dig deep and lay our lives on that foundation of doing the word of God. Same idea uh, found in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24, it says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Hears the words and does them. Puts them into practice. Doesn't just hear them and think about them, but actually does them. So what is it going to say about your house? Uh, the analogy is your house as as a life, or your life as a house, rather, it's going to be built on the rock. It's going to be a firm foundation. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. A couple of really important things here. We are all going to face storms. We are living in a broken world uh, because of sin, because of terrible choices that people are making, because of the enemy. We are going to face storms. This is what Jesus is telling us. We're all going to go through storms. But what's going to make a difference for us in the storm is our foundation. Are we going to dig deep and have it on the rock? Are we going to hear the word of God and do it? And what is it, what's going to happen in the middle of the change, in the middle of a shifting time, that I can be steady and established because I've built my house, I've built my life on the rock of doing the word of God. And this is where the power comes in, not just hearing the word, not just hearing those eternal things, but hearing them and then putting them into practice, not just acting on emotion, not just acting on our desires, not just acting on whims, but acting on the eternal word of God. Because these, the, these are the things that Joan changed. These are the unseen things, the unseen thoughts of God that we can put into practice in our lives. See, we don't actually see our thoughts or the thoughts of God until we put them into practice. But what Jesus is saying, we will actually see a strong foundation in our lives when we practice and do the Word of God. So Jesus actually helped us to read the Scripture. He actually helped us to dig deep, like, like we read there in Luke, because we want to dig deep into the rock. We want to put our foundation on the Word of God. And so Jesus actually helps us to read the Scripture here in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, that Jesus was going to do all of the word of God. He was going to be the sinless lamb of God. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappeared, not the smallest letter or letter or stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In other words, Jesus was going to accomplish all of it, and he was going to accomplish it for us. 
Therefore, anyone who sets aside any of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and of the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So how are we going to do that? Jesus is telling us uh, that that our righteousness is going to have to surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who had the scripture memorized, the religious people of the day, that our righteousness was going to have to surpass theirs. Now how would that happen? Well, Jesus already told us that he is actually going to fulfill it. And so we're going to pass the righteousness of the teachers of the law because Jesus is actually going to give us his righteousness, going to the cross, being raised from the dead, and then he gives us his righteousness. And so thank God our righteousness surpasses the teachers of the law by Jesus giving us his own righteousness. Verse 21 you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murder, murders will be subject to judgment. But now listen, what Jesus says here, he's going to say something authoritatively. But I tell you, wow, this is a big deal. So Jesus is quoting the Old Testament, and then he's going to add his authority to this same thing. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus is not lowering lowering the standard. He's actually heightening the standard. And then he's saying that the problem isn't just murder, although obviously murder is a terrible problem, that the problem is you being angry with your brother and sister. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, that just means empty-headed person, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire of hell. Therefore, if you are getting, <clears throat> therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. And so what Jesus does for us as he reads the scripture, he offers to us the precept behind the principle. What is the principle? The principle is murder is wrong. But the precept behind that is the deeper issue. The deeper issue is anger. So obviously anger leads to murder. So Jesus is walking it back for us. And then he takes it even a a further step back for us. Because, you know, sometimes we have an issue with somebody, and this is what Jesus is telling here in the story. And then, oh, so what are we going to do? We have an issue with someone, so I'm going to go, I'm going to offer something to God. I'm going to go make it right to God that I have an issue with somebody else. But Jesus is telling us, no, obviously murder is terrible, but the problem is anger. And then beyond that, you just haven't made it right with that individual. So Jesus takes the teaching of, yeah, we know it's so obvious that it's not good to murder people. But Jesus helps us to understand the precept in that principle so that we can put it to practice in our lives. And we can ground our lives on this fact that we actually should be getting along with people. It's not, oh, at least I didn't kill them. That, there's no feather in your cap for not killing somebody. But Jesus is telling us to see beyond just the not that, oh, deep down into, you know what? You need to go reconcile with that person. 
Don't come and try to make it right with God. Go reconcile to that person. So Jesus helps us to see deep into the Old Testament teaching, helps us to read our scriptures that, that we can apply those things in our lives in very practical ways so that we can live it out. Why? Because we're going to dig deep. And that's going to be the foundation that we are going to live our lives on. When we take the Word of God, this idea, this unseen thing, and we actually live it out in our flesh, in our lives. And this will help us to be steady and established so that when the storms come, because the storms are coming and we're living in a storm, and who knows what the storms in the future are going to look like, but our foundation can be in the Word of God. And Jesus is helping us to see, to, to read the Scripture, to see just beyond this idea, oh, here's how to, for me to apply this in my life. And this is what all of us need to do as we read the Scripture. We're not just reading for memorization like like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the scholars of the law. They just had all of this information that just made them angry and made them um, want to impose it on other people versus living it out for themselves. And this is where the foundation is in our lives. This is what will help us to be steady and established. And so this is why Jesus was teaching his disciples. This is why he was teaching us on the Sermon on the Mount how to live our lives. Why? We're going to dig deep. We're going to find the foundation of the rock of doing the Word of God. And this is where the power will be in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And the Apostle Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on your hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to claim anything or is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the Apostle Paul is telling us here in these verses some very interesting thoughts. He's telling the people in the church that he said, you are the letter of recommendation written on your hearts. And then he compares that to tablets, you know, talking about the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, and then something written on our hearts. In other words, something that we are living out. And once again, this is the thing that God wants us to be steady and established upon. It is doing the Word of God. That you are ourselves, that you yourselves are the letter of recommendation written on your hearts, read and known by all that the life that we live is the testimony of doing the works of Jesus, doing uh, the thoughts of Jesus, following the teachings of Jesus, that when we live it out. Because what does it say there at the end, verse 6? But who has, uh, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
when we take the Word of God and it becomes a part of us and we actually live it out. This is where we have done the work of digging down, finding the foundation, the bedrock of doing the Word of God so that when we are doing the Word of God, regardless of what storm comes our way and what tomorrow might look like, that our foundation is steady in doing the Word of God, finding out the eternal principles and the precepts from the Word of God and applying those things in our lives. And then we are a living epistle. Epistle just means a letter. So that I take the letter, the thoughts, and the ideas of God, and I put those into practice in my life, and that is living on the foundation of the Word of God. Last verses here in John chapter 15. Verse 1, it says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, that he has said some things to us. And then he says this, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. And this is what Jesus has called us to be. He's called us to be his disciples to follow after his teaching. He wants us to live a fruitful life based on the things that he's teaching us to do. See, if we, if we just live our lives based on what we know or based on whatever uh, culture offers to us, that all, we're, we're taking temporary thoughts, only things that I could dream up. But what God is wanting us to do, he's wanting us to live on those eternal unseen things. And when we live on those eternal unseen ideas from the word of God, that we are going to bear much fruit regardless of the season, regardless of the storm, regardless of what it looks like today, regardless of what it looks like in the future. The bedrock of my life is based on doing the Word of God. And so we have the benefit of the wisdom of the ages in the Scripture, the wisdom of Jesus, so that we can live steady lives based on doing the Word of God. Let's just pray today. Father God, we are so thankful for your Word today that it steadies us and we can be established in our lives, that we can live our lives on the bedrock of doing the Word of God. And we thank you, Lord, as we continue to do the Word of God in this season and in the next season, that you are taking us through, Lord, to your will. God, we want to walk out your will for our lives. We want to do the things necessary in this season, Lord, to take us to what you have for us next. God, we want to walk out your will. We want to walk out your word right now. Lord, we want to be a living epistle for you in the middle of a difficult season, in the, in the middle of a difficult storm, the storm that you didn't give to us, the storm that you didn't provide. But God, we want to have your words written on our hearts so that we can do them and live a fruitful life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Hey, if you are watching and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with Jesus, you know, the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, he came. And like Jesus said, that our righteousness can actually surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees, of the religious leaders. Why? Because Jesus actually accomplished something for us that we could never accomplish for ourselves. So the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead so we could actually have a relationship with him. God gives us a relationship or he offers us a relationship with himself based on his grace. And all we have to do is say yes today, just a starting place uh, in our relationship with God by making Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never done that today, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me or maybe you're watching and you know, you feel like I used to be close to God, but today I don't feel as close to him. Maybe something happened. Maybe you went through a difficult storm and you felt a little bit unsteady. You know, God invites you close to him again. You pray along with me as well. Let's just pray today. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So Jesus, I say yes to that relationship. Today, I call you my Lord. God, I call you my Father. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I turn from my own ways and I turn to follow after you. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer just as a starting point uh, in your relationship with God today, if you're watching uh, on a live stream right now, if you would just let one of our hosts know that you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or if you're watching this on the on-demand or a later occasion, uh, we would ask that you would DM us on Instagram, let us know. Or if you would email us at info at thecitychurch.ca. We have some materials that we would love to send you. If you are not in the Mississauga area, we encourage you to find a local church uh, that you can get to be a part of, uh, find some place to serve, get in the community. But if you are in the local area and you don't have a home church, we invite you uh, when we are able to gather again physically, we invite you to be part of our church family.